0: Welcome to the Entrepreneurs Visiting Victor podcast with Victor Dadaj, where you'll hear stories and strategies to help increase your sales and grow your business. Here's your host, Victor Dadaj.
1: All right. Welcome to Entrepreneurs Visiting Victor. I am your host, Victor Dadaj. I hope you are having an amazing day. So far. today, we have an awesome guest. He is an author. He is an alternative investment blogger and educator, and is an entrepreneur, and he is known as the prolific investor. So let's welcome Chris Odegard. How are you doing today, Chris? I'm awesome, Victor. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. It's great to have you on the show. And Chris, I'd like to get started by asking you to uh, please share your story. How did you get started on your
0: journey? Yeah. Well, I was, like, like many people, or, or like some, some of your listeners, I was, I was a corporate guy. And uh, for many years, and I was also a conventional investor. What I like to call being on the 401k highway to mediocrity, because that's what it is. Even if many people don't know it, they're on a very slow path to to nowhere. And so I did that for a very long time. And then I had a uh, uh, an uh, event, uh, an illiquidity event in my mid 40s. Where I lost 55% of my assets and thousands of dollars a month in cash flow. And that happened to be caused by a divorce in my case, but it happens to people for all kinds of reasons. And so all of a sudden, that path that I was on uh, became exponentially worse. And coincidentally, around that time, a friend of mine recommended a book to me, which I picked up. And it was that purple book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. And that opened my mind to all the other ways of investing outside of conventional investments, which is pretty much everything that's publicly traded on the stock market. So I started moving in that direction. And and we can talk about some of the different ways. But, you know, before I knew it, you know, uh, nine years had passed, which in some ways sounds like a long time. But on the other hand, nine years had passed. And I looked back and I had recouped all that 55% that I had lost, multiplied it many times over, quit my corporate job, and I never have to work again if I, if I don't want to. And that would have never happened had I stayed in the conventional investing world. So I started my blog at the prolific, prolificinvestor.net, and I'm kind of an evangelist for alternative investments now and helping people realize that there's a you know there's a better way to get there faster. And frankly, it's safer with less volatility. So that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. No, that's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. So uh,
1: a lot of people that come on the show that people went through difficult times and then the for you know they learned something and it changed their lives. And for you, one of the things that changed your life was you read the book Rich that Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki, which I highly recommend uh, that people listen to the show by. It's a great book, it makes you think differently because and and I like you, I'd like you to talk a little bit more about that book because one of the things he talks about is rich people think differently from poor and unsuccessful people. So you might talk a little bit about that and some of the other stuff you learned from that book.
0: Yeah. Well, um, you know, after, after I read the book, um, uh, again, there's another one of these serendipitous things. I was, uh, I was at my, my, my post-divorce condo and uh, an ad came on the radio and Robert Kiyosaki was having a, a you know, a seminar, a weekend, a free one. And so, uh, I was like, well, I got to go to that. And, and so I went to that seminar and you know how this works. The free seminar turns into the paid weekend, which turns into anyway, mm-hmm. I, I put uh, $15,000 on my credit card. That was not a good time for me right after the divorce. And my son and I, who was about 16 at the time, we took classes all over the country on all different aspects of real estate investing, wholesaling, rehabbing, you know, notes uh, you know short-term rentals mobile homes all, all kinds of stuff and 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 one of the first classes was the classes on philosophy and one of the things the guy said was that he said look rich people talk about money and poor people don't he said if you and I were you know having a conversation and I had just made some investment and and and, and you asked me hey well Chris how much was the investment and how did it turn out he said if I didn't tell you that would be very odd amongst wealthy people to not talk about money because because we do so that was that was one of the things that I learned and uh yeah it's just um you know there's so much uh so many advantages to these these alternatives I compare them to conventionals across 13 different categories and alternatives uh are ahead in every category except for except for one which is which is um um, liquidity, right? A lot of alternatives, real estate and things, you can't sell them at the press of a button, which you can with stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. No, that's some awesome stuff here. So, and I think a lot of people you know,
1: out there are not familiar with alternative investment, because I mm-hmm. think for most of us we we've only been exposed to conventional investing. Business. So uh, a couple of questions for you, like, and I think you hinted at some of these things. Number one is, what is, uh, what is the idea behind the conventional investing wisdom and why doesn't it work? And and if right. it doesn't work, why is everyone doing instead of going into alternative investments? Right.
0: So conventional investments, you know, you got the two worlds. Everything that's publicly traded on the stock market, conventional, and everything that's not is an alternative. So that would be all types of real estate, precious metals, notes, private lending. Um, you know, actually, cash value life insurance is a great is a great uh, alternative investment. And I guess the reason that uh, it, you know, it, it's so superior and most people don't know it. And the reason is because uh, there's not any money in it for the advisors and the, and the banks and the mutual fund companies. I actually have a friend who's a conventional financial advisor. And I said, hey, how come I can't go out and find somebody to help me or advise me in the alternative world? And he said, there's two reasons one because with with the with the stock market mutual funds it's it's an easy source of repeatable revenue with assets under management fees and the other thing he said is that if a if a conventional planner recommends a stock or a mutual fund and that company goes bankrupt or they turn out being turn out to be Enron or something like that, that financial planner will never get sued. All the stuff that I do is private or private investment. So, if a financial advisor says, "Hey, you should go into this apartment syndication," and it turns out to be a Ponzi scheme, that guy is likely to be sued because they don't do it because it's harder, and there's there's liability associated with it and 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 think about it, uh, you know. Think about the the first person who who said the world was round instead of flat. Everybody knew. Everybody talked about that the world was flat. When this one person came around and said it was crazy, you know, they all you know that the world was round. They all thought he was crazy. So when I come along and say 401k suck, well, everybody everybody's come across is in a mute is in a in in a 401k and they're doing it because of the company match and. So, you know, I'm, a, I'm just swimming upstream here. So it's just not something that's, it's main, it's not mainstream, even though it's so much better. Yeah. Now you bring up some good points.
1: This so number one, uh, a lot of these alternative investors, it's not a lot of money for the banks and the, uh, and the advisors. And number two, they're worried about liability, which, you know, in this society is uh, a big concern for a lot of people. So you know, so if they don't want to deal with it, you're not going to hear about it. So I think that's why in this day and age, we always have to keep an open mind about things, do your own research, because there's a lot of things out there. And this applies to a lot of things. Um, when something is not recommended or something's attacked, you got to see who is attacking it. Because mm-hmm. for because a lot of times they're attacking because it's affecting their financial interests. So right. it's not because they they think it's a bad investment yeah. it's because they lose money out of itself. So right. And that's why you're not hearing about a lot of these things. And like you said, you mentioned the for, for the first person to mention the world was round, you know, and he was he was attacked. You know, of, <laughs> a lot of times he was probably strung
0: up. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. He might have been burned at the stake. Who knows? Exactly. So when
1: when a new idea comes, people ridicule. They keep ridiculing. The more they rip it, but eventually becomes. Accepted wisdom, but it may take for a long time. It may happen after the person unfortunately passed away. Right. So you know, and, and you know, a lot of people you bring a 401ks and IRAs, and you know, like I said, a lot of their companies recommended they'll match it. Why would you say that the 401ks and IRAs are bad investments? Because a lot of people may not be aware of this.
0: Well, there's there's um, there's a couple things. So. um, The two big selling points for the four, uh, four, let's go with the four hundred one case primarily. The two big selling points are the company match and the tax benefits. So the company match is nothing more than somebody else's money, right? Or what we call OPM. And then you have the tax benefits. Well, if you if you you'd be shocked if you took the average, you know, employer match and the tax benefits that go with a 401k and compared that with investing in a single family rental, you'd be surprised what the results were. So if you if you took a, you know, if you put $30,000 into your 401k, and you would get a company match, and you would get some type of tax benefit, or, or if you put $30,000 as a down payment on a single family rental, you get the same two benefits, but they're better. With a single family rental, you get the benefit of out of other people's money it's called a tenant paying off the mortgage over the next 30 years and you also get tax benefits called depreciation which happen over the next you know 27 and a half years so if you if you took if you took you know uh, made some assumptions about those numbers realistic ones what you would find is that the benefits associated with the with the single family rental are three times more than the 401k and so the, the whole selling point of those two things isn't really valid, not to mention that with alternatives, you're typically getting way higher returns. And then one other thing, you know, uh, this kind of ties back to your first question about why, why this stuff doesn't work is, um, you know, the, the conventional wisdom is that you build up this mountain of money or this mountain of assets in your 401k in the form of mutual funds. And the questions, the questions that most people ask is, well, how big does that mountain need to be? And that's really not the right, the right question. The right question is really, what income do I want to have in retirement? And so the conventional wisdom goes with something called the 4% rule. So if you said, well, I want to have a retirement income of $100,000 a year, and you apply the 4% rule, that means your 401k... 401k portfolio needs to be two and a half million dollars. Well, that's a lot of money. And here's the problem. That doesn't work for 92% of the population because only 8% of the population ever become millionaires. So this whole 401k and using the 4% rule to determine how much money you can take out annually uh, without running out of money, it it doesn't work for 92% of the population. So then you say, well, okay, maybe we're shooting too high, maybe $100,000 a year is greedy. What if I only wanna have the median income of around $63,000? Well, the 4% rule, um, that drives a a $1.5 million portfolio. So you're still still not working for 92% of the population. And what's happening now is that the industry is finding out that the 4% rule isn't even working anymore. So they've dropped it down to the 3% rule or the 3.4% rule. And when you apply the, um, the 3% rule to your $63,000 a year median income, now you're back up to over a $2, $2 million 401k portfolio. So most people are just never going to get there. So uh, they're going to end up working longer or having a drastically diminished retirement in lifestyle. Uh, excuse me, dra- diminished lifestyle in retirement. No, those are some very good
1: points you brought up there. Uh, for example, you talk about, you know, instead of doing the double match in the 401k, you invest in a single family rental, or, you know, multi-family rental, for example, you get depreciation, tenants will pay off your mortgage. And that's the thing, and Robert Kiyosaki talks about this. A lot of people think their own house is an asset, and he says it's not. Because you spend all that money on, but you're not making any money up. But if you invest in a rent property, you're to right. pay off the market. And then after a while, you're getting right. you know cash flow from it every single month. So a lot of right. people don't realize that. And and I and I like to talk about what income do I want in retirement? You brought the four percent rule. So if you want to get a hundred thousand a year, you have to have two point five million, which is a problem because only eight percent of the population has you know have you know, have over a million dollars. And to get sixty three k a month. They need to have 1.5 million dip, which is really difficult. So, yeah. and you know, when you talk, and one thing I talk about when I when I think about the rental properties, it's it's an example of having good debt versus you know investing in electronics right. or other stuff that doesn't right. which is bad debt. A lot of people understand yeah. there is good debt. Rental property is a good yeah. debt because eventually it's going right. to become a good cash flow for you. Right. And and one thing um, I remember Kiyosaki talked about. Other people have is. Rich people focus, you know, on 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 assets. They don't focus, They don't They don't spend on liabilities. They They, they focus on passive some residual stuff. They, they They make a lot of their money on unearned income. And whereas the people who are not as successful, who are not as rich, they They make most of their money from earned income, which is also taxed at a higher rate. So you might talk a little right. bit more about unearned income versus earned income. Yeah. And the advantage. Well,
0: yeah. So. Um most of what i do is is real estate investing and real estate you know they're, they're, the the type of money people don't realize the type of money you earn the way it's classified is very is very important so the money you earn at a job which is reflected in a w2 is earned income and that is taxed at the highest rate and it's the hardest income to shelter and real estate if you're not materially participating in other words you're not Managing it, you're not doing all the work and everything. If you're not materially participating, that is called passive income, and passive income is the easiest type to offset with with uh, just offset. And I'll I'll give you an example. So, um, a lot of what I do is through syndications and limited partnerships. So, I have had instances where I would make a hundred thousand dollars investment in an apartment building as a limited partner. And I would get my tax uh, information comes to me in the form of something called a K-1, which is how you report uh, to partners. And I would get a negative $105,000 loss because of bonus depreciation and cost segregation in the first year. That means that the next $105,000 of passive income to me is not taxable. It's offset by that $105,000 paper loss. And so... um, you know, I mentioned earlier that, you know, my business is investing. And I think what people don't realize is that people in businesses have the same things. They have they have uh, income, they have expenses, and they have assets, and they have liabilities, but they're taxed completely different. People are taxed on their gross income. When you get your W-2 from the government, the government goes, oh, you made $100,000, i am taxing you on that hundred thousand and then you pay all your expenses with businesses businesses get that hundred thousand dollars worth of income and they subtract their rent and their utilities and their insurance and all the typical things that people have and then then they pay taxes on their on their net income so when i say my investing is my business what that means is i do it through business entities, I don't do it as Chris Odegaard, I do it through one of Chris Odegaard's companies, and therefore I get the same kind of tax treatment as a business that, you know, sells cars or manufactures widgets or whatever. And um, one more, i run it on here, but you know, and mutual funds are particularly interesting because you could have a, a $100,000 portfolio of, of mutual funds, on that on January 1st and on December 31st that portfolio could be worth 90,000 so you experienced a $10,000 decline in the value of your portfolio but during the course of the year the mutual fund manager bought and sold a lot of stuff some of them would be would be capital gains so you would actually you could actually pay taxes while your account value went down by 10% and of course the, the financial advisor is getting paid whether you you make money or lose money, even though he put absolutely nothing into the game.
1: <laughs> no, those are some good examples you gave there. Like right now you just mentioned mutual funds. You can have a $10,000 loss on December 1st, but because of all the different trades that the, that the guy made, uh, you might have had some gains. You have to pay taxes on. I never really think there's a big taxes on the fact that we lost money. So not not, yeah. not a good investment. And um, a lot of people don't realize it, but the vast majority of uh, mutual fund advisors under the underperform the markets. So you're paying all these fees and you're losing money on it. So the vast majority of mutual funds are not good investments. And I love what you uh, you gave that example where you say your regular work you make a hundred thousand a year. The government taxes at first, whereas with you or anyone has their own business, you know, they have the $100,000, uh, they make 100,000, then they subtract all their expenses. So say it's 50,000 expenses. You're taxed on the 100,000 minus 50,000, which is the $50,000 income. You're not taxed on 100,000, which is a big difference between that yeah. and being taxed on 100,000 as a worker. So there are many advantages to being an investor, to having your own business with people. Uh, you know, should definitely look into it. And I think that's one of the reasons why people listen to shows like this. So it's a lot of good stuff. You learn more about passive income, unearned income, having your own business investing, because there's a lot of tax advantages to it. Yeah. Now, now you, you've talked about, and there are a lot of uh, advantages to being in alternative investments. You focus mainly on real estate. Uh, what are some of the potential risks in being involved in this? Because obviously anything you're involved in can have some risks.
0: <clears throat> yeah. So I think the... Uh... The biggest risk is that um, with, with uh, you know, the conventional investments in the stock market, those companies are publicly traded. They've gone through all the vetting and rigor associated with being listed on a public market. So there's a checking process and a due diligence process that the SEC does. The stuff that I do is private. So none of that, none of that is done. So anybody who's got you know, $15,000 to pay a lawyer to, to do the paperwork, to to stand up a syndication could say hey I'm going to go out and buy some real estate would you like to put in fifty thousand dollars and they could run off with your money so it would be easier it would be easier in the alternative space to get involved with a fraudulent or unethical person so that's where that's the biggest thing I would say the biggest disadvantage and so what you have to do is you have to join some type of a group or a mastermind with people that are already doing this where they have a forum or a meeting or some place where you can go hey i just i just heard of uh abc company who's who's got this apartment syndication going on who's had some experience with this and when when the when the room is silent you go okay well no nobody knows anything about these guys there's no recommendation so i'm not going to be the guinea pig on this one you want to you want to get involved with people that have a track record and where you have got some other people who have been involved with them before and would, would recommend them and are using them and would use them again. No, that's definitely
1: some very good advice. As you mentioned, like in, uh, like you in stocks, you know, the SEC does all kinds of uh, research on it. So they'll tell you it's good or at least legitimate. Whereas alternatives, you don't necessarily have that background. But like you said, you can join a group or a mastermind, you can say, hey, I'm thinking of investing in this. And then maybe people know about the guy, they say, yeah, this guy's good. He's reputed. He has a good reputation or if they never heard him. And then you're like, well, maybe I shouldn't get involved in it. And so, so these people who, who have that, who have, like you said, a mastermind that has a lot of experience with, they can give you uh, a lot of good recommendations, whether you should invest in it or not. So I think that's an excellent uh, piece of advice there. So if you're getting, you know, what what are some of the other things people should uh you know what are some of the other things people can also do if they want to learn more about getting involved in alternative? So the group in the mass, I think, is a great. Suggestion: Do you have any other suggestions for people who want yeah. to learn more about these? Because obviously, there's a lot of instruments out there. Uh, the vast majority probably don't know about them. Just I can tell you, there's a lot, of, a lot of them I haven't heard. Of, so I'm also interested yeah. in hearing more about these investments.
0: Right. Well, the, the 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 great thing about being alive today is it's there's probably never been a uh, an easier time to learn a new skill or whatever, because there's so much information readily available. And so much of it's free with podcasts like yours and websites and books and everything. So the reason I created my blog at the Prolific Investor, I know this is going to sound self-serving, but I got to say it anyway. You know, the reason I created this was to share the information. So one place they can go to is the prolificinvestor.net. You can see a copy of my book that came out last year called Get Off Your Ass and Manage Your Money, why you need alternative investments. But I've I've got all the articles and videos, but I've got a resources page where I list, you know, people that I have used and groups that I've worked with and podcasts that got me started in books. So there's a whole uh, there's a whole section there where people would could start their journey. And if they haven't read Rich Dad, Poor Dad or the Cash Flow Quadrant or Tom Wheelwright's book, Cash Cash Free or Tax Free Wealth. Those are kind of like, you know, <laughs> three of the best books you could you could put your hands on.
1: No, definitely. I haven't read the the third one, but I've read the first one by Kiyosaki and Agri. They're excellent books. And you'll definitely uh, start, you'll, you'll start changing your mindset as to how you approach investments. So definitely a lot of good stuff here. So anyway, listen, Chris, it's been great having you on this show. Uh, you share a lot of great tips, a lot of great advice. And I know the audience listening here is definitely appreciates all the great wisdom you share. Uh, on the show. So the one I want to thank you for being on the show. And if people want to get in touch with you, what is the best way for them to reach you? And also, uh, please share the name of your book again.
0: Sure. Well, thanks for having me on, Victor. It's been a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, so the website is the net, And the book is called Get Off Your Ass, $8 Sign, Dollar Sign, and Manage Your Money, Why You Need Alternative Investments. And if you go to the homepage at the prolificinvestor.net. You'll see it, click on it. That'll take you to the Amazon store where you can buy it if you like. It's an easy read, two hours, 120 pages, lots of color pictures and graphs. And that'll kind of kind of hopefully get you moving down the right path. And, and 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 the reason I wrote it was because you know my path was, you know, one step forward, three steps back, two steps to the left, one step to the right. I tried to create a you know a straighter path for people so it'd be easier. <laughs>
1: Awesome. That's great stuff. So thanks again uh, for sharing all that with us. And again, you know, reach out to this guy, Chris Odegaard, the prolific investor. He knows his alternative investments. Chris, thanks again for being on our show and have yourself an amazing day, my
0: friend. My pleasure. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you've enjoyed listening, please smash that subscribe button so you don't miss any of our amazing episodes. Please also leave a 5-star rating review and have an awesome day!